Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited for our, another episode on our Sports Digita series here with our guests in Tom Bowden from Sports Digita, as well as Mike Resnick, Senior Director of Corporate Partnerships at the Minnesota Timberwolves and Lynx. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about activation on the partnership side, experiential partnerships, uh, and what we're looking forward to in 2023. Uh, as, as the world changes around us and the industry continues to evolve. So nonetheless, Mike, Tom, welcome. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jake. Looking forward to the conversation today. Mike, let's just start off the, the conversation with a little bit of your background. I mentioned experiential partnerships, but just kind of how you got to where you are real quick uh, from a, a GPS of your journey. Yeah, for sure. So I uh, was, was mentioning to Tom before, I'm, I'm actually from New York originally, so uh, made my way out to the Midwest, but I, I grew up on Long Island. I went to school, University of Maryland and UMass Amherst, and I uh, was always kind of an East Coast guy. Uh, went to school for uh, sports management and marketing. Uh, graduated from UMass Amherst, had an internship with IMG in, in New York City uh, with their Olympic uh, sales and marketing group. Uh, was was fortunate enough after three unpaid internships to land with a company called 361 Sports and Event Marketing, um, which you know was was great because it was more of a, a senior consulting firm at the time. You know, I was probably for all three years I was the youngest one there, so really got to uh, had the ability to prove myself and and work uh, hard to um, earn some respect from some really senior uh, consultants out there. Um, my, uh, I like to joke about my, my first real client in, uh, sports marketing was us smokeless tobacco. Uh, so chewing tobacco and, you know, one of my tasks was working with, uh, different PGA tours across the country. And, you know, you had to determine the proper number of spit buckets per square foot within your tent space. And, uh, you know, the really glamorous part of sports marketing but uh, again you know it just gave me an, an awesome opportunity to get acclimated with the sports world um, you know one of my other partners was Blue Cross Blue Shield of Florida where I managed their professional sports team so that kind of gave me my first foray into professional sports um, after that wound up uh, getting a, a job with Team One um, which was an advertising agency based in California but uh, they had field offices in a couple of different markets and New York was one of them and you know, they had been managing, you know, you think about Lexus and, and how iconic they are with sponsorships these days and, and how frequent they have them. And they were managing everything out of L.A. And so I was, you know, the sort of guinea pig, the first person on the experiential side out in New York to manage uh, the East region. Um, and so I was there for for over eight years, which was uh, crazy, but uh, gave me the opportunity to build out my team, uh, eventually oversaw the East and Central regions of the country on the experiential marketing side, and you know, built a team of, of four in New York and, and three in Chicago, and um, you know, had over eighty partnerships, and 
Uh, you know, the, the great part when you think about experiential marketing with that, you know, while we had some professional sports teams, I'd, I'd say the majority of them were not in professional sports. And, you know, you, we were uh, obviously working on the Lexus account. So you're looking for that affluent aud audience wherever they may be. And so uh, food and wine festivals, always a lot of fun to partner with food and wine festivals, uh, you know, theaters. Um, you know, even a couple of airports, you know, it's really just looking at where that affluent audience might be. And so, um, you know, after uh, over eight years there and having my first child and having to deal with an hour and 20 minute commute in New York, we decided to look elsewhere. And, uh, you know, there was an opportunity, one of the partnerships we had on the Lexus side was actually with the, the Timberwolves and Lynx and, uh, you know, started talking with Chris Wright, uh, who was the president of the organization at the time and one thing led to another and you know I've now been uh, this is my seventh season with the Timberwolves I've been here for seven link seasons and uh, it's it's been life-changing but in a good way. Amazing real quick um, you know when you think about the activations and like you're like oh this was really successful I'm going to take this to somewhere else or I'm going to do this with a different brand what's the spit bucket one go like how does that translate to another can can you use that anywhere you know may, maybe when you you know think about the logistics that go into an event but it's probably not a direct correlation to some of the other things i mean i guess you know you had to you had to make sure the size of the lexus vehicle could fit in the space you had so uh you know obviously similar similar audience too there you go i i just i had to ask i was like that's that's a unique experience yeah. uh that you know it's kind of like pulling the tarp in a way in uh <laughs> In, in minor league baseball. Yeah. Um, for, for our audience, real quick listening, what does experiential marketing mean to you? Like if you were to differentiate it from partnerships, from digital marketing, like anything else that that brands are doing, what is at the core experiential marketing? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think the core of, of, you know, the term experience is experiential is just how you're engaging with those consumers on a deeper level. You know, I think uh, a lot of people's notion of sports sponsorship is, you know, the the digital court side that we have in basketball or, you know, now you see the jersey patches. But, you know, I can tell you from from experience when we're going and, and looking for our jersey patch partner, it's a lot more than just that logo that you're slapping on the jersey. It's it's building out how you're engaging with those fans on every level of their journey, even you know, looking for those opportunities where they're not expecting or wanting uh, to be hit with a brand, but you're hitting them organically and naturally and in, in where they are and not where you want them to be. Tom, as you, as you think about a lot of the clients that you work with, what are some of the things that you're hearing from them as, as it relates to how they're trying to put partnerships together or activate um, the different experiential, you know, uh, I mean, look at all the clubs, lounges, spaces, like those are all evolving too at, at every uh, new shiny arena and, and stadium that we have. Yeah, I think, Jake, there's, there's a few things that stand out to me uh, when we talk to partners. One is measurement seems to be more important than ever, right? Where these partners really want to understand what is the value of the money they're spending with teams and otherwise. So being able to clearly uh, demonstrate that and explain that to partners is really critical at this juncture, particularly given the current economic situation. We're also seeing a lot of trends towards, and you alluded to it here, right, that are experiential and event driven. 
Uh, and I think that takes two different forms. You know, one of those forms is uh, in person, certainly, as you talked about, reshaping, reimagining uh, spaces, you know, whether that's uh, courtside, suites, et cetera, uh, having a better uh, concept that is more, that meets people more where they want to be met and makes people more comfortable with, you know, level of purchase, level of interaction with others, et cetera. Um, and then on the virtual side, you know, continue to engage in that sort of way. I think we've seen that trend over the last couple of years. I think that trend is is here to stay. And, and you know, that kind of dovetails with on a more holistic picture, I think digital remains super critical to any of these partnerships being successful. Um, so virtual experiences might be part of that, but I think that also extends into how we're uh, how we're getting content and social media and how we're really creating awareness for those brands and partnerships through those vehicles. With your experience on the team side, and then you know ha having been at a place that also had multiple properties. And Mike, you, you know, you've got the, the Timberwolves and Lynx. How do you go about activating across different properties, knowing you've got different audiences based on the brand of basketball uh, or, or whatever, you know, uh, event that you're holding, right? Because, you know, your arenas or stadiums might have different events coming as well. How do you go about doing that? Um, and how do you make sure that that you are executing uh, to a level that, you know, you can, you can, pro, you know, ultimately under promise over deliver. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's super important. And it's, it, it's helpful and important when we're dealing with our clients too, for that sort of, you know, consistency in messaging, right. And, you know, while the, the demographics and, and the audience are very distinct with, you know, the Timberwolves and the links, you know, the, the message that our partner wants to get across to them is not necessarily always different. You know, it might be if, if you're dealing with someone that has many different segments, I, you know, I think about our uh, United Healthcare, our insurance provider, where they might have different target audiences that they're going after, but, you know, a company like Oro, that is our, our New Jersey patch um, partner as of last year, that's in digital security, you know, they, they, need to get their name and want to get their name out there for what their product is in a now competitive landscape. And so I think consistency of message, you know, across brands is, is helpful with the fact that, uh, you know, having both Tim rules and links, the majority of, of our organization is shared services. You know, we have individual um, folks that handle Tim rules versus links on the ticketing side, but when it comes to the, the marketing aspects of our organization, all of that is is combined with both Tim Rules links, uh, T Wolves Gaming, our our 2K League team as well. So there is that not only consistency in messaging that we're trying to help our partners with, but internally it helps with those those conversations where if we have a defensive play of the game that you know swipes up to additional uh, digital security stats, you know we don't have to restart that conversation as we head into links planning, which is uh, scary, but coming up very quickly here. Um, but it's it's much easier internal conversations to help get across. And it's also easier for those external conversations as we're talking through that sort of consistency and market that we're hoping for. How much, does, and this is to both of you, but how much does having multiple properties help sell that long-term Three, you know, 365 day platform because you have you might have multiple seasons, you might have events that stretch across the year as opposed to just one season, one team. 
Yeah, I, th I think it's, you know, it's super helpful out here. I'd say, you know, people think of, of Minnesota as the state of hockey and, and rightfully so it's huge out here, but there's more youth basketball players than there are youth hockey players, right? And so to be able to, to have that sort of always on, always in the community um, when it comes to basketball and, and having the, the combined resources of both organizations is super helpful. Um, you know, and I, I think the, uh, uh, just the the W and the growth and the support of women's sports in general has has definitely helped with our storytelling and and we find more brands are interested in learning, you know. Whereas I I think uh, the links have have traditionally been very popular in the state of Minnesota. Just you know we won four championships in in seven years and and there's a lot of respect within uh, the links in the state of Minnesota. I think the the W as a whole wasn't always there. And I think now we're starting to get more of those national brands to ask more questions about um, our, you know, year round approach with the links as well. Yeah. And the, the approach that, you know, from afar that I see that Mike and team are, are, are taking to their partnerships, you know, it, it does revolve around that kind of holistic view of uh, community and cause. Right. And, and I know Mike kind of referenced it uh, a little bit there, but when you have partnerships that are built on community and cause and, and working across a portfolio of your business versus a specific uh, business unit, or, or in this case, team, I, I, I think you get partners bought into a vision versus the wins and the losses, right? They get bought into the organization as a whole, and you have the opportunity through community and cause and a broader spectrum of assets for them to develop deeper relationships and to be engaged uh, beyond just, you know, how team X may be performing on a year to year basis. And so ultimately, hopefully that's leading to longer term, more strategic and deeper relationships with those partners. Yeah. And, and just to add to, to what Tom said, because that's a, a great point. And, you know, he, he referenced digital earlier, which is uh, super important to our partners. You know, if we're, on the community and cause side, if if we're out there supporting, you know, Women's History Month, we're we're able to sell that into a partner for not just our Timberwolves audience, but our our Links audience as well. And certainly from a digital standpoint, and the content that we produce, there's a lot of, you know, savings that that take place from being able to produce things that might go across multiple um, channels that we have. If you guys take a step back and you look at the upcoming year, and you know. Mike, you said you're going into your seventh season, right? And and uh, sometimes you can get stuck in like, well, one season to another, and it's just rinse and repeat, right? And and you know you're you're paying attention to trends, but there there's an element of keeping things simple, right? What are things that you're looking ahead to in 23 that you're trying to pay attention to to make sure that look at hey, it may not affect you in this this particular season, but it might affect you two, three, four years down the road. Yeah, I think the the big one in uh, in our state, which you know, is it's wild when you think about where uh, each state is is so different. But sports betting, as you know, most likely going to be uh, on the ballot here coming up in in the state of Minnesota, and, and obviously that's hugely important to uh, the sports landscape in general. Um, so. You know that's certainly a, a big one, and and to Tom's point earlier, I think the the evolution on on digital and and um, you know cord cutting is real, right? You know I'm I'm certainly not one. You know I I appreciate having as many channel, channels at my disposal as I can, but um, 
you know, we, we have put a lot of resources into our app. We've put, um, you know, a lot of resources into our, our digital content that we're putting out. Uh, we have, you know, Valley Sports is, is our partner and, and they've added streaming services and, and just thinking about the different ways that we're trying to, uh, to attack, you know, the, the consumers and, and make sure that our partners are well represented when they think about, you know, the Timberwolves that, that they're also thinking about who are, you know, official medical services provider is it's it's not an easy task and and we try and find uh find the partners where they are so i think just the continued evolution of of digital and uh you know who knows what's going to happen with twitter as things move on but uh, we've certainly found um tiktok to be uh, a you know new sort of resource youtube you know there's there's these uh i'd say those two are where the the youth are are tending to go. And so, um, you know, we, we just built with um, Jack Links, which is obviously a super fun brand to work with and, and to get Sasquatch and Crunch, our mascot to interact, you know, we're, we're building out a whole TikTok series now. And, um, you know, it's kind of a, a proving ground as well as, you know, just, hey, what, what could TikTok be for us? Yeah, I, I think that was pretty well all encompassing, uh, Mike, as far as, you know, that interaction from partner to, to, to fans, uh, you know, one of the opportunities I see as we look at the role that, that Mike and, and sponsorship sales people are playing today is, uh, you know, there, there's a recent Gardner survey that, that talked about uh, when people, when, when C-level uh, executives are in buying decision mode, they're often 70% down the funnel before they ever even really engage a salesperson in that conversation. And I think a real, opportunity for uh you know us in the sports sales world is how do we enable that education process to get them into that buying decision mode um i think traditionally as a uh, as an industry you know it, we have often um you know kind of held the cards so to speak in those conversations and 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 not been super transparent in what's available and pricing and things like that and i i don't see us going a direction of we have rate cards listed on our website, but how can we enable that customer's journey or that, excuse me, that partner journey so that they are getting down the funnel to a place where they are educated and informed when they enter into conversations with Mike and, and other uh, sales folks. And I know often agencies have kind of played that, uh, that middle person in, in those conversations, but uh, as we see buyer behavior increasingly go towards that format, I, I'm really curious to see how we as an industry adapt to that. Um, to, to that point real quick, like there's, there's whether it's a trade desk or whether it's other forms of, of digital media buying and, and, you know, whether it's the, even just the entertainment space as a whole, um, how is everybody else changing going to impact the, the the sports side of things, right? Because ultimately, it, it it's it's some sort of external force that that forces you to change. Yeah, yeah, and I think it changes the expectation of, you know, from from a buyer standpoint, whether we're talking about a sponsor or or the person who's buying tickets. I think your expectation of how you are being engaged with is evolving more rapidly than at any other point during you know my career in sports. Right, I'm I'm 16 years in at this point. Uh, so, you know, I, I think there is really a need for us uh, as an industry to lean into technologies and sales enablement tools and, um, you know, the, some of the 
vehicles that are out there to communicate. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to give any free ads on, on your show, Jake, but like, you know, there are some great tools out there that um, are enabling that from a sports side, um, specifically a sponsorship side, but then there are a lot of technologies out there uh, that, you know, that, that are helping that customer journey from an outreach standpoint that, you know, many teams have not to this point adopted to really uh, embrace that digital transformation. Yeah, let's talk about the communication point, right? I think that's it's so key because to your point, Tom, about whether it's a ticket buyer, a premium, premium seating buyer. I mean, the 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 decisions too on on that side where it's a little bit more transactional are happening so much closer to the you know tip off or kickoff, right, than ever. And you're you're then thinking about okay, what are the issues with that? Well, projections, analytics, being able to understand where you stand uh, a week before the game, you don't really know, right? There's there's kind of this like, well, well, we'll see what happens. And so, you know, how you plan and how you market certainly affects that. Um, Mike, on the communication side, whether it's two partners, uh, trying to bring partners on, et cetera, I mean, phone calls, you know, cold, cold phone calls don't really work anymore, right? Because no, no one, some people are out in office, but others aren't. You know, you've got your email, but everyone gets flooded with emails. Then you start to go to text message, which text has become even more, you know, it used to be very, very personal. And now it's just kind of everybody's got everybody's number. And then, you know, you get to LinkedIn and, and other social media um, avenues that gets crowded. Like, how do you, how do you, divert from the clutter and, and make sure that you can actually get to someone in not only a concise way, but, uh, you know, good timing and, and, and all of that. Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's, it's certainly, you know, top of mind. We actually, we just had, um, you know, all day sales training yesterday uh, with, you know, Lance Tyson came in who I, I know a lot of professional sports teams work with just to, you know, talk through some of that and how do you, how do you get, get past the gatekeepers sometimes too, right? To get to the people that really will make the decision because, you know, you don't want to be kind of, you know, kick down the line to, you know, a day-to-day -day manager. You would really want to start at the top and, and how do you break through to the top? And so, um, you know, it's, we, we have a, a dedicated new business team. Obviously, you know, we have um, a, a CRM tool that we use to, to help to a certain extent to know where previous conversations have been or maybe fallen off. So, you know, I think tracking history is important, especially with, you know, how, uh, how many years, you know, sports sponsorship has been around now. There's probably a lot more history. You know, it's, it's unlikely that there are you know, Fortune 1000 companies that professional sports teams have not talked to at this point. So I think understanding the history, understanding the hierarchy within those organizations is key. Um, we are, you know, fortunate here with the Timberwolves and Lynx where our CEO and COO both have sponsorship backgrounds. And so, you know, we can, uh, you know, tap into them um, whenever there's an opportunity that makes sense. If we have a, a contact at an organization that is, you know, a CEO that maybe would appreciate uh, outreach from, uh, you know, a C-level as opposed to a, a sponsorship manager, we have that tool at our disposal. And I think that's super key. And, you know, I know it's not common everywhere where you're able to to do that and tap into it. So I, I think finding the right person sometimes is, is probably the biggest key, um, you know, 
we uh, are fortunate in the industry we are to, to be able to, if, if someone's local or, or maybe not even local, try and get them out to experience it. And, um, you know, it's probably an, an easier uh, invitation to ask someone to come sit close to the court at a, a Timberwolves game than it is to to try and, you know, sell newspaper advertisements, right? You know, we're, we're fortunate to be in the industry we are, um, where people want to engage with our brand. Um, you know, I think the other the other piece to that too is finding something relevant out in uh, in the news and in the media, right? If there's a, an article on an organization that, you know, you have a, a story to tell, you know, if someone's heavily involved in our local community and, you know, community is such a, a huge driver for why companies get involved with professional sports teams these days, um, you know, tapping into that article, referencing something from that article or the individual that may have been quoted in the article and and really doing your research that way. Mike, you, you touched on something that, that made me laugh a little bit here. Um, ha having transitioned from the team side to the tech side uh, a few years back, uh, so relatable what you said about, hey, it's a lot easier to get someone out to a game on a cold solicitation versus uh, come meet with me so I can show you this great demonstration of my product. Um, that, that was something I definitely took for granted for, for about 10 years uh, and, and was a rude awakening as I transitioned out of the team side. So that, that is a significant opportunity, you know, in that cold outreach process that Jake's talking about. But, you know, as you zoom out, you know, uh, from a broader sales perspective, you know, I think what challenges there may be on the cold outreach side, there's tremendous opportunity in how interconnected we are as a society these days, right? And, and you know, you reference, of course, call and email and text. And, and of course, people are doing LinkedIn outreach, but how easy and accessible is it for me to go into Mike's LinkedIn connections and see that he's connected with XYZ company and then just drop Mike a note because, you know, we're friends and say, hey, Mike, I saw you're connected to so-and-so. Do you know him well enough to make an introduction? Are you comfortable to make an introduction? And if the answer is yes, Mike makes that introduction. It's a heck of a lot easier to get to that decision maker through that introduction than it is for me to send 10, 12, 15, 20 cold outreaches uh, you know, in that effort. So I, I think really when we approach as, as sales professionals, when we approach our outreach, there's got to be a mix of, of cold, warm, and hot from a relationship perspective in order for us to have sustainable long-term success and build a, build a proper pipeline. Yeah, and that's I, I think that's a, a good point just on the, the LinkedIn front. You know, that is such a valuable tool because CEOs are on LinkedIn, right? C level is very dialed into to what's taking place on LinkedIn. And um, you know, I, I am certainly one that if I'm connected to someone in some form or fashion within a couple of days, I'm going in on LinkedIn and, and making that connection because to your point, you never know, uh, you know, it's always interesting to see the mutual connections. It is a small world in the end when you, you know, meet someone for the first time, you go on and you're like, oh, you know, this makes sense. They were, they were with so-and-so, they over overlapped with, you know, the, this individual that, you know, I now work with, right? And so, um, there's so many opportunities through LinkedIn. We uh, we post, you know, when we bring on a new partner, you know, we're we're not even thinking as much about how are we doing a press release as we are, hey, how are we posting this to LinkedIn? Because that's the business community that's going to help us with future sales, with future, re uh, you know, retention. Anything to add on the LinkedIn front where 
Tom, as you were talking about, you know, dropping somebody a note, there's almost a sell in the, in the there's almost a sell to get to the sell of the introduction, right? So um, everybody might be able to hit somebody up for, you know, hey, do you know so-and-so, can you introduce me? But it's like, what's behind that? What's the context? How do you, how do you make sure that that person in your network says yes and, and easily says yes? I think a big part of that is just engaging with people in an authentic way, right? I, you know, if if I just reach out to Mike and we haven't talked in five years and the first thing I'm saying is, hey, can you do me this favor? Eh, I don't know. That that doesn't feel great, right? And, 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 you know, Mike may or may not because he's a great guy, but, you know, it, it, it doesn't feel like a great way to approach it. So how are we continuously engaging in an authentic way? And I, I think, you know, LinkedIn provides a little bit of a platform of, I can engage with Mike's posts. I can comment on Mike's posts. Uh, you know, if I see that Mike is searching for a manager of sponsorship sales, I can share that within my network and I provide an introduction, right? So, you know, I think generally people are willing to, uh, willing and wanting to help and assist. Uh, however, they're going to reserve those uh, those moments for the people that they feel are engaging with them in an authentic way. Amazing. Um, last thoughts on trends for 2023 as kind of, you know, you're, you're thinking about the, the year holistically, um, and then we'll get to some rapid fire. Mike, anything on, on your end? Yeah, I think, you know, Tom, Tom touched on it earlier and it's, you know, it's, it's so important, the, the valuation side of things. And, you know, especially, you know, for me coming from the agency side, that was, that was always, uh, top of mind for me. Um, the challenge being as as we you know have seen the last couple of years and as we move forward, you know community impact has become such a big reason why we're able to get a seat at the table with partners, get partnerships. How do you value, you know, if we refurbish a court tied to our you know u s. bank partner in in downtown Minneapolis, the, the share of heart, the, the huge impact that we have in the community together is, is amazing. Valuing that is trickier, right? You know, we, we don't have a valuation company that will, you know, give us, hey, you know, this logo showed up for X amount of time. It's hard to describe value sometimes for these community partners. And it, I think that's where, you know, relationships and rapport really, uh, really come into play with these partners that they understand that your allies um you know the the valuation part will be there for certain assets but i think it's uh recapping you know how we're showcasing hey look at the great things that we did look at you know the number of times the number of players that get to to now be impacted by this um you know community initiative that we put on together um, is greatly important. But uh, to Tom's earlier point, I think, you know, the valuation of things is so critical, but there's also, you know, such a focus of community impact, um, you know, DE&I, uh, we hear that from every partner that we talk to that just want, you know, that's that's a main driver, especially, you know, for us, we're, you know, a professional basketball team in downtown Minneapolis, you know, the heart of um, you know, a lot of what has taken place these past couple of years, that has been a, a hugely impactful and important part of our story. Yeah, great answer, Mike. I agree with everything you said. I, I think the, the one thing I would add is, you know, I'm always curious of kind of what's next, right? When you talk about 2023, I, I, with every, with technology evolving so rapidly, um, 
you know, what's next? We've talked about and kind of oscillated on VR and AR for years and years. It hasn't totally come to play yet. Uh, you know, I know it has in some instances, but, but you know, has it become ma mainstream? What other technologies are out there and kind of what uh, assets may present themselves in 2023 that, that now become the asset that industry, uh, companies are focused on investing in or see the most value and, and opportunity within? So uh, what's next is always appealing to me. And there's a big question mark there. You just never know. Sometimes there's something that gets invented and then it becomes the next big thing, right? So um, all right, guys, rapid fire to uh, wrap up the episode. Uh, you guys ready? Let's do it. All right. Favorite stadium you've been to other than one you've worked for? For me, I'm a Philly guy, Jake. I got to say the link. Lincoln Financial Field is, is always felt like home for me. I'll go Nationals Park, uh, just uh, being a part of that from the beginning with uh, with Alexis partnership that we had, seeing that kind of build and it really revitalized the whole area of DC. So that was a, a fun one and just a great venue. Best city on the East Coast, given that you're both East Coast guys. Oof. I, I have the benefit of having lived in both. I, I don't know if Mike can say the same. Uh I don't think I can answer anything other than Philadelphia. Otherwise, my email will probably be filled with angry uh, folks from the 215 area code. I, I, obviously, I love uh, New York and, and all that Manhattan has to bring, but I, I will change it up. I'll go Annapolis was, was always a, a fun one to visit. When you think back to your college, you know, your college self, and, and then you think about where you're at now, um, what's what's the one area or or industry that you thought you might get into that you obviously didn't for for me it was probably law uh you know even you know taking some sports law classes early on it was it was certainly appealing um you know one of my first professors was um steve mckelvey who was a, a baseball agent in his own right and so um I, i'd probably say getting involved more on the law side yeah, I think uh, similar to what Mike alluded to there. I always thought I would be a, a sports agent. I kind of double dipped uh, having a full-time job and doing some agency work early in my career. And I realized pretty quickly uh, just how, you know, what the odds look like in, in that side of things and, you know, made an adjustment accordingly. We were talking about the communication side of things. Uh, your go-to communication route. Could be social, could be text, email, phone, et cetera. Zoom. I, I'm a big fan of if you have a comfortable enough relationship, I, I do appreciate text. I, I'd say I feel like I have gotten closer to partners via text. I, I like I, I like text. I would say text is my go-to from an everyday communication standpoint. I really value this though, the the getting uh, on a Zoom because that opportunity to get face to face, I, to me, like the phone call is dead. It's very rare that I just call somebody versus Zoom or text, right? And and um, you know, I just value that face to face. I think there's a chance to to build a more organic relationship, and also I can watch body language, right? How are people reacting to the conversation? And as a salesperson, it's so critical into how we proceed with the conversation. As someone who doesn't have social media other than LinkedIn, what's the one social media app you could get rid of? today and not look back 
That's easy for me. I, I, so I don't have a TikTok account, although I probably will need to with all that we're doing in that space. I, I feel like I'm maybe a generation past that, but uh, Facebook, I, I'd say, you know, that's, that's been one that I, I have not really even checked in, in a couple of years here. Yeah. My, my Facebook is long gone uh, from, from years back. Uh, I could probably get rid of Instagram. Uh, I enjoy Twitter uh, and, and kind of the update and madness of it, but probably Instagram. Last one for you. Uh, from a tech perspective, what's the one company that you're paying attention to just in, in the business world that you're like, wow, that, that might be really interesting. I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm, I would say I'm, I'm pretty curious, uh, you know, with everything going on in the crypto market at the moment, I, you know, I've been very curious as to where this all goes and kind of what happens to the crypto market based on, you know, the current, current events around FTX and, and so on. So, you know, I think that's a space that I'm really curious to, to watch here. Yeah, I think for me, you know, I, I touched on the, the Valley sports side of things. I think where streaming um you know goes we we've seen the the shift to you know amazon prime for thursday night football i think has has been okay i think there was a lot of trepidation from folks early on but um you know it's it's relatively easy to find i'm curious the the continued evolution of you know how people are are watching sports Love it. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate the time. Uh, Mike, Tom, it's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed the insights and perspectives uh, on the look ahead to 2023, the experimental marketing side, uh, partnerships as a whole, sales, communication, etc. So uh, thanks again for the time and appreciate you being on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Studio Organic. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.